legendary game maker Jonathan Blow gave a talk dramatically titled Preventing the Collapse of Civilization. It's pretty cool, I highly recommend watching it. One of the interesting challenges he gives the audience is count how often over a period of 24 hours you encounter technology breaking. Something not quite working exactly the way it should. Once you start counting, you start to realize how blind we've become to how terrible technology is. How flimsy and fragile the foundation of the things that power our society really is. The ultimate answer as to why it's like this though, it's because it's a conscious choice. A trade-off of delivery versus cost. It's all about the nines. Welcome to the Engineering Culture Podcast, where we're going to explain what it will take to make a more reliable tech world as we ask, are you available? I loved my time at university. I was lucky enough to study computer science, and not only that, I enjoyed it too. A significant portion of it is completely unnecessary for a career writing software, but valuable in its own way. You learn snippets of wisdom that you don't have the full context to appreciate. For example, Edsker Dijkstra said, testing shows the presence, not the absence of bugs. If you've written buggy software, then how do you find out? There are largely two paths, and a lot depends on the industry you're in and their appetite for mistakes. There's something called Z notation, well, Z notation, whatever. It's a formal specification language, and I have no idea what it does or how it works. I'm just about vaguely aware that there are companies where they cannot make mistakes, say, in a nuclear power plant or making life support machines. Software engineers here can use formal techniques to prove the technical correctness of programs. It's a timely and complex process, though, and software engineers' time costs a lot of money. The reliability of software is proportional to how profitable it is to be that reliable. Almost exclusively, software is written testing only as much as required. Let as many people check the code for mistakes and get as many trial users to kick the tires. Eventually we realize we have no idea just how broken our programs are, and they go out into the real world in the hope that they mostly work. Jonathan Blow wouldn't have posed the challenge to count how many times tech breaks in a day if, well, it wasn't a common occurrence. Why do businesses make software like this? Because people will use broken software. They use software which has bad user experience. They use software which doesn't let you configure all the options they want. They use software that sometimes crashes or times out unexpectedly. A successful tech company is constrained by the same limit that applies to a successful person. Limited time. Companies cannot employ infinite engineers. They have to prioritize not only the features they deliver, but the scope of the features and the reliability of them too. Businesses make software like this because people will still use software that's less than perfectly reliable. Businesses who always take the time to build perfect software won't survive. It's usually engineers who want the features they develop to be more and more reliable because it benefits them long-term in terms of fewer customer escalations or giving them more time to solve scaling issues. Reliability should not be defined qualitatively though, and this is where I can provide a ray of hope to software engineers. Just like in the previous episode where we looked at meta software to monitor whether the product was up and functional, we'll look at an extension of the monitoring meta software to see whether the software is available.
In the previous episode, we looked at metrics platforms. For example, platforms like Prometheus or Datadog, built on time series databases. We can use these same platforms to record metrics about the availability of key product features. But first, let's talk about how availability is different to simply being up. For mature tech companies, you don't want to choose one or the other, but both. Measuring whether the product is up or not is there for alerting engineers. When the software has stopped working, the metrics flag this up and an alert is sent to someone who is on call. Monitoring like this is about raising the alarm. Just because the alarm hasn't been raised doesn't mean your product is necessarily reliable though. Software could be unavailable for a significant amount of time in small time periods without ever triggering any of the system's alarms. Say we have an alarm that looks at metrics over a one minute time horizon and triggers if the number of 500 level errors is above 10%. A system like this could theoretically be down 10% of the time spread evenly across each minute and never trigger an alarm. Consider a system with a bug, which means the first 100 requests each minute always fail. Consider also that this system regularly has 10,000 active users at any given time. Every minute, 100 users are potentially seeing an error, but none of our alerts are letting the engineers know. Alerts are for one-time outlier events. Availability is for all the time. Availability is for smoothing out the reliability of a product, or lack of it, into a single stat. The number of nines that describe how good or bad things are for users. Many of you will have likely heard of the term SLA, Service Level Agreement. This is an example of a stat that is shared as a number of nines, often 99.9%. On its own, it is meaningless. What exactly does available for 99.9% of the time mean to anyone? Well, SLA isn't the only TLA on the block. Availability also needs to consider an SLI and an SLO. SLI stands for Service Level Indicator. This is a binary metric describing one specific feature of your product. Consider you're responsible for a software service which handles customer bookings. At some part of your UI or API, there will be a button or endpoint that triggers completion of the booking. You could have an SLI for the reliability of completing a booking. For example, over a 30 second period, there are no incomplete bookings owing to a server error. If you were to measure the outcomes for bookings over any given 30 second period, that SLI would either be met or unmet. It's a binary condition. SLO stands for Service Level Objective. This is a number of nines metric, much like an SLA. An SLO is calculated over a period of time partitioned into multiple SLI blocks. For an SLO of 99.9% to be reached, 999 out of the 1000 SLI windows of 30 seconds must pass successfully. Whereas an SLA could be public, shared with customers, an SLO is internal to the team. It is stricter than the SLA, that is, it will have a higher number of nines. Often it can be a half step up, so if the availability SLA is 99.9%, the SLO could be 99.95. Just that little bit more reliable. This padding can be used by teams to define an error budget. If your SLO is 
and your reliability is currently at 99.99%, you have a budget of 0.04%, you can fail while still keeping your SLO. Teams can tactically choose to prioritize risky work like migrations when they have error budget spare, or conversely, be conservative when they're in the red for the month. A service can be defined by multiple SLIs and SLOs. For example, for the booking service we described, there could be a latency SLI. Over a 30 second period, we do not expect the P95, that's the 95th percentile, of booking completion latency to be above 10 seconds. The SLA you publish to stakeholders is usually the worst of all your SLO calculations. SLIs are usually defined by product managers. They are the people who look at the service from top to bottom and articulate what success or failure looks like. Companies usually want their services to be consistent, so may give teams a target SLO to hit. Platform teams will likely need to hit a higher reliability standard than services running on these platforms. Whatever the target though, availability metrics are there to shine a light on the truth. There's no point having them if teams use them to fudge a phony narrative about how a product is watertight when it's springing leaks everywhere. The engineering team report to the product manager what the system can currently deliver. At a point in time, an SLI will have a fixed SLO. It's best to start with your target SLO, say 99.95%, and tell the product manager what SLI can be hit. For example, maybe the SLI that the booking system can support needs to allow two failed bookings to happen over a 30 second period. And this comes to the point of SLIs, SLOs and SLAs. They are there to report facts which enable optimal prioritization for future work. If the company wants a 99.9% SLA for zero failed bookings owing to server errors and the data are showing that the system can only hit 99.82%, your priority is investigating the failures and improving the system reliability. The power of measuring availability is that you're not focusing on imaginary problems, but real problems. By releasing quickly and measuring your core success metrics, you can ship features fast that are measurably reliable. Day to day, the number of nines a service has is still largely an abstract concept. That's because until you put a time boundary on something, Percentage isn't strictly defined. I can claim any service I make is 10 nines available, so long as you agree that I'm allowed to measure availability from now until the heat death of the universe. In practice, teams should consider their measurements over the course of a month. Abstract terms like 90%, 99% or 99.9% into concrete time windows. For easy mathematics, we'll assume a month is 30 days. Being 90% available over the course of a month means that you will be unavailable for at most three days. 99% available over a month means being unavailable at most seven hours and 12 minutes. 99.9% available yields only 43 minutes and 12 seconds unavailability. And finally, 99.99% availability means any accumulative downtime for the month cannot be more than 4 minutes 19 seconds. There is an implicit lesson in these numbers. Firstly, in case it wasn't clear, there is an order of magnitude difference with each additional 9 agreed to. Making a product one nine more reliable takes 10 times the effort. 
Secondly, the way availability issues are dealt with are defined by the number of nines. Looking at four nines, if a team can only have four minutes, 19 seconds downtime per month, paging a human will not be sufficient. An engineer won't be out of bed and in front of their metrics dashboards before five minutes have come and gone and you're out of your error budget and eating into a compensation budget if your customers have any compensation clauses in their contracts. Even 43 minutes and 12 seconds is still tight for a human to be paged. That kind of time horizon requires a system with comprehensive runbooks and a deployment pipeline with fast rollbacks. Measurements help elevate the truth. And in an organisation with a Westrum culture, more about that in episode 8, this can help other stakeholders across the business align their expectations accordingly as to what level of reliability can realistically be delivered and how expensive that will be. That's all for this time. Thank you once more for listening a while to learn about the big world of engineering culture. Unless you're building software for well-funded institutions where the price of bad software is incalculable, be prepared that you're going to ship software that's unreliable, at least some of the time. In distributed systems, even software without bugs will not be available 100% of the time. That's impossible given the nature of our dependencies on programming languages, frameworks, libraries, operating systems, cloud computing, and finally, the public internet. Remember, everything is a trade-off, and you choose where to sit between two unrealistic extremes. One extreme is where the only error checking is whether the code compiled, and you ship the software straight out to be used by customers. The other extreme is where every line of code is reviewed by the whole team, several meetings are dedicated to testing strategies for each deployment, Months are blocked off in the calendar for extensive QA before the feature can be shared with the outside world. The Goldilocks solution, which sits in the middle, can be found accurately by writing meta software to automate measurement of availability. Measuring availability provides you actionable data about how good or bad it is for your users, where you should move within the Goldilocks trade-off, and what risks aren't safe to take this month. It's important to be realistic in your expectations, One company I worked at assumed a 99.9% SLA across the board for every service. The flaw in this expectation showed when a P1 escalation occurred for a product which was a joint venture with Microsoft and required a DLL to be recompiled by them. That problem could not be fixed in one nine, let alone three. The paged engineers who were woken up in the middle of the night explained the issue as best they could to customer support and went back to bed. The beauty of SLAs, properly constructed through automation and measuring the key features that users care about, is that they align expectations across the business. More than this, they help teams focus on the most important work today and not the next 10 imaginary problems. Bye for now, and I hope you're able to join us again next week. Okay, now it's time for you to go do something a bit more fun. Abiento.